Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be scattered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. So yesterday, chapter 24, in our text, we began a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the end of the world. Because the disciples were conflating things. They saw the temple, marveled at its great architectural beauty, and Jesus then told them that the day was coming where not one stone would be left on another. He was talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by the Romans. It would come within the lifespan of some of the people alive at that moment, including the Apostle John. But they took it mistakenly, thinking that his kingdom, which would endure forever, Second Samuel 7, son of David, would sit on the throne of, in Jerusalem forevermore, they assume that the destruction of the temple also meant the bringing about of the end of the world. And so chapter 24 has that back and forth going on between those two topics. But chapter 25 has fully shifted towards the end of the world with first two parables and then a conversation around the final judgment. What that will look like on the last day. So our first parable is an old wedding custom, and we don't know all the details about this. But picture it this way, that the bride and her, her guests, her bridesmaids, those attending to her, uh, that they would be waiting for the groom and likely his bride, his, sorry, his bridal party, his groomsmen, to come and greet them and take them to the party. Week-long festival, prepared, ready to go, oftentimes could be at the very house where the groom has prepared a home for him and his new bride to share together. So the women are supposed to be ready when the groom will come. In this case, he's delayed. doesn't come as quickly as they thought he was going to. They get tired. They even fall asleep. This is helpful in connection to yesterday where we read about staying awake. You don't literally have to be awake every moment for the rest of your life. So you would not survive. 
not for much more than a few days, I would say, go crazy. The body needs sleep. But instead of that awakeness is a readiness. It is a preparedness. It is doing what the Lord has given us to do, which is something we'll continue to see in today's parables as well. Because when the groom shows up, a shout is made, everyone wakes up, and those who are prepared that have their lamps and the oil ready to go for the journey in the dark to the place where that they will have that party, well, they go. But there are those who aren't ready. And notice their words, by the way. The virgins arose, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Notice the going out idea. If we take these lamps as faith, these foolish ones had faith. But that faith is dying. This would very much connect back to chapter 13's parable of the sower. Those who are seed planted on rocky soil or among the weeds that gets choked out. Persecution, tribulation, uh, the cares of this world and of daily life. Their faith doesn't survive the test of time. They had some, but it doesn't endure. They hadn't kept their lamps full. It does beg the question what we fill ourselves with today for us as Christians. Do we fill ourselves with the things of the world? Or do we continue to fill ourselves with God's word, his gifts, his promises to us? One of those things endures forever. The other one doesn't. So as they head off to the market to buy some more oil for themselves, that would take time. The markets would have been closed at the moment. The rest of the group gets off to the, the party. The door is shut. And so when the, the foolish five arrive, and they knock on the door, the Lord, which in this case would be the groom, the master of this new house, he refuses them. I do not know you. Just as Jesus mentioned the flood of Noah's day in yesterday's chapter, when the flood came, people were up to that point just eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. They were doing what people do. And once the flood came, there was no second chance. Once the door of the ark was shut, it wasn't opening again. There comes a moment where repentance can no longer be had. And in this case, that moment is the day of judgment. When Christ returns, we're sealed in our, our spot, whether it was faith or unbelief, that no longer changes and won't for the rest of creation, the new creation, the new heaven and earth, which endures forever, we're sealed. Revelation talks, thankfully, about Christians being sealed on the forehead. We are Christ's, and he is the groom, and we are his bride. It's possible to look at the ten virgin idea here uh, as the number ten being a biblical number for completion, so the completeness of man being discussed by Jesus in the parable, perhaps. Can't say that for sure. Our second parable is the parable of the talents. This parable, by the way, is what gives us our English word talent. It comes from this text. 
the meaning of it being your abilities, what you're good at, as the Lord gives each according to his ability. Now, as you're talking about this parable, we have a man going on a journey, called his servants, and entrusted to them his property. So he gave them talents, money to manage. But ask your children, who is the man? That's the easiest question. It's Jesus. Oftentimes in these parables, the master is the father or or the son. So Jesus is going on a journey. What journey did Jesus go on? That would be a reference to his ascension as he ascends from this earth up to heaven, Acts chapter 1, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. What did Jesus entrust to his disciples before leaving? We'll see this in just a few days. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission, what God has entrusted, what the Master going on the journey entrusted to his servants, to us, is the gospel. To share that good news with others throughout the world. Read this parable in that light. That's what's going on here. So he goes away. Jesus ascended. The one who had received five talents, and so we've got five, two, and one, each according to his ability. God knows his people. He knows his servants. This is actually good news. God does not take the the least, in a worldly sense, the least within his kingdom and expect them to do the bulk of the, the lifting. He knows us. He knows our skills. He gave them to us. And he just asks that we be faithful with them. If it's teaching, teach. If it's preaching, preach. If it's caring for, for a little one, care for the little one. And so forth. So the one who has five makes five. The one who has two makes two. The one who had one buries it in the ground. A good spot for a family conversation about what God has entrusted to you in terms of talent, like actually your abilities as we would use the English word, but not just talent, all things. What has God entrusted to you? And don't accept all things as an answer. Like, Thank your children for saying it if they do, because it's right. But you want to get more specific. Talk about actual things like a house or a friend Talk about, again, talents like, I don't know, sewing or woodworking or singing, whatever it might be, the things that you're good at, the things that you're interested in. Talk about those. What has God entrusted to you? And then, the reason you want to get specific, how can you use those things to serve others? That's the taking the five and making five. He takes what God gave him and he uses it to care for other people. He uses it to share the gospel. Now, yes, this is a money-related parable, right? So he's a businessman. Uh, this guy's taking the money. He's using the money. He's investing the money somehow to make more, etc. We are taking the gospel and we are investing it in other people with the outcome that the Holy Spirit would bring faith. Sometimes a hundredfold, sometimes sixty, sometimes thirty, to use the words of the parable of the sower again. 
So the third guy, he buried it. He buried his faith. Just like Matthew 5, Jesus warning about how when if he, if he were to light a light, he wouldn't hide it under a bushel. I did that as a children's message recently. And when I put the the snuffer or the candle lighter, the snuffer that the acolyte would use, I, I put it over the flame. Before I did, I asked the kids what would happen. And they recognized that it would go out. And it did. If we hide our faith, our faith goes out. And that's what we see of this third servant as the parable progresses. So, finally, the master returns after a long time. Jesus will come back. He promised he would. And they come to him, judgment day. And the one who had five, made five more, shows them to the master who declares, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He shared the gospel. Jesus calls it good. Faithful over a little. We're not given this whole world to manage. You cannot care for every person on this planet. You're just not capable, nor am I. Faithful over a little. Care for the people around you, the people that the Lord has in your life, and love them, serve them, care for them, share Christ with them. And he will set us over much. And that's a reference to the fact that we get to reign in paradise forevermore with Christ, our Lord, who has redeemed us, rescued us, delivered us. He's going to work together with us to care for the new creation. We were over a little, we'll be over everything. Notice also that the message between the two is the same. The guy who made five talents, the guy who made two talents... There's a big difference there. Master doesn't care. Again, hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Be faithful. Share the good news. Share the gospel. And God rejoices. Same exact words. Now, you can't ask your children what is the reward, giving you the opportunity to talk about the joy of God, uh, how the angels rejoice over a sinner who repents that we would get to be in paradise with Christ. All good conversations to have. Now, the difficulty with that, and parables are analogies. They're not perfect in that regard. The difficulty there to be cautious about is to not make it sound like we've earned it. We didn't earn paradise. Paradise was already bestowed. It's a gift God gives to us. We don't have to earn it but we can reject it, and that's what this third servant has done. Now, I'm not even going to focus on too much of what he says. Notice he blames God. He blames the master. Can you imagine coming before God on judgment day and blaming God for your sin? How do you think that'll go for you? won't go well. Here he calls the master's work worthless. He buried it in the ground so he wouldn't have to think about it, and then he went about his business just like they were doing in the days of Noah, living his worldly life the way he wanted to live it. And the master rips into him with judgment. At least should have invested it with the bankers so he'd have it back with interest. Interest could be a very small amount. That one talent probably doesn't become two talents, Hard to say. 
Don't know how long he was gone. Don't know what kind of interest rate it would have been. But at least something. The Lord knew his faith was weak. The Lord knew his skills weren't that great. So he entrusted him a little. But he still didn't use it. Share that faith. Speak of Christ to another. Care for them. And he didn't. So it's taken from him, given to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given. The one who has an abundance, then the one who has not, what he has will be taken away. We've seen this before. This is the picture of faith. The one who has faith will be given an abundance. Again, paradise. The one who doesn't have faith, even what he has, his worldly goods, will be taken away. Cast out into the outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Talked about that yesterday, too, with those who would, would be taken and those who would be left behind. It might be better to be the ones left behind. This is more of that language about being cast out. And then lastly, Jesus talks about separating on the day of judgment those who are faithful and those who aren't. Sheep and goats, they're called here. Sheep on his right hand, the goats to his left. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God's gift of paradise is for you. It's a gift. He's made it for you. Rejoice. And then he says that when he was hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, in prison, etc., they cared for him. And they're baffled by this. They don't remember seeing Jesus hungry and feeding him. They don't remember seeing him in prison and visiting him. But his response is that what they did to one of his children, he says, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. So the family of God, as they loved and cared for someone else, Jesus counts that as caring for himself because it is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, or the bride of Christ, whichever picture you would rather use. If you're using the body language, Jesus is the head of the body. So if you care for the hand, you're also caring for the whole, right? If you care for the foot, you're caring for the whole. Or the bride, if you want to use that language, if you care for the bride, you're caring for that family. You're helping the family. So by serving You're serving all of the church. You're serving Christ himself. And then the flip side of that is those who did not serve, like the guy who buried the talent, like the five virgins who had no oil. Notice that each of these three sections of the chapter is a dividing line, distinguishing between two groups, those who are faithful and those who aren't. He sends them into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's worth noting there, it wasn't prepared for them. Hell is not prepared for man. But unfortunately, there will be men there. It was prepared for the devil and his angels who had rejected God and rebelled against him. So Satan and his demons, as we would usually phrase it, but they are fallen angels. They too respond saying, when did we not do these things? And again, Jesus says, whatever you didn't do for one of the least of these, you didn't do for me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Make this point too as we wrap up today. 
the resurrection is for everyone. Believers and unbelievers alike will be raised on the last day and brought before the judgment throne of God. However, not everyone is raised to life. That is specifically said of the faithful, whereas the unbeliever is not raised to life, but raised to eternal punishment or eternal judgment, depending on your English translation there. It's not life. This is the second death, as the book of Revelation four times, I believe, refers to it. The second death, perishing in hell. Because without Christ, there is no life. But with Christ, we have life, and we have it abundantly. Thank you.